Hello and welcome to Catch Up with Community Church. It's great to have you listening to us. So today we're going to be carrying on our Elect Exile series and David Berham is going to be preaching to us on 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 to chapter 2 verses 3. So get your Bibles, get your notes ready. It'll be a great preach. Before we get into that preach, though, just a couple of reminders and notices. So we still have training coming up this month. Do check our website or our app for more information. We also have our youth retreat pre-registry, like register your interest up as well. So please check that out and register your interest if you'd like your young people to come to that. Anyway, that's all the notices. Let's get into listening to David on his preach on First Peter. So we've been in 1 Peter now for uh, a few weeks, three weeks, and um, just to remind us of where we've been, um, this was the first slide that we looked at on day one, um, looking at uh, the, the, the introduction really to uh, the letter, uh, this, this letter to the churches, and, and asking these questions, which we should ask of every book that we start to look at. You know, these are the questions that we look at in Revelation. We're starting Revelation tonight. We're going to ask these questions uh, tonight of Revelation. Uh, it's good to know what we're dealing with here. Um, it, this is a letter written to uh, churches in uh, the Roman province of Asia Minor, uh, which is now modern-day Turkey. And uh, although there are uh, always people that would... Uh, dispute the authorship of some of these letters. This is very straightforward. Uh, this has been written by Peter, uh, who actually this is the Peter that was Simon, uh, that, that confessed Jesus as Lord. Uh, and Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church and changed his name uh, to Cephas uh, in Greek, sorry, in Aramaic, and then comes to Greek, um, comes to the word Petros, which is Peter. It's him. He became the leader of the early church. He is the one that's writing his letter uh, to the churches. It was a, a circular letter. It would have gone from church to church to church, uh, and they would have been read out um, there. And usually uh, it, it was in a time of persecution, uh, or persecution was coming, and, uh, uh, and, and some of the key themes are there about Jesus, uh, eschato eschatology, which is end times uh, that we're looking at, suffering, uh, exiles, and strangers pilgriming through the land. And there's many Old Testament allusions here. There's many Old Testament quotes. We'll actually see a few today. And uh, so that was the introduction. Uh, just to say, if you've missed any of this, um, then go to our app and you'll be able to download and, and listen to this um, and catch up on that. The first three weeks that we've done uh, so far, um, we, we looked at the verses 1 and 2, which is the greeting. Peter, who is an apostle, uh, elect exiles, the work of the Trinity, we looked at that, and how we are blessed to be a blessing. Then we just started this beautiful song of praise uh, that we, we looked from verses 3 to 12. And, uh, and then last week we started this next section, and we, we're not going to finish it even this week, about uh, what it means to have a new family identity. You know, who are we in Christ? And, and we're, we're working through this section now. Uh, last week, Topway talked about that, that we were a prepared people. He said, gird your loins. He talked about uh, being ready uh, for what God has for us. He talked about uh, being a holy people, how we live our lives out, and how we are a ransomed people, that price has been paid and we have been set free. And today, we're going to be reading from verse 22 in chapter 1, right the way through to verse... 3 in chapter 2 and it's up there um, and I'll read it to you so 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, 
but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. Lord, we pray that your, your Spirit will lead us uh, in these verses, into these truths, uh, reveal to us uh, the, the meaning, uh, Lord, of these truths. And Holy Spirit, then help us to be obedient and live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're starting off by looking at the truth, the obedience to the truth. Peter says um, in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And what he's saying here is that uh, when we first heard the gospel, when we first received that, we heard and we responded. Okay, hearing and responding to the gospel. That's what he's talking about here. When it says you have purified your souls by obedience to the truth. And we've been saved by faith, by the grace of God, but through our obedience to respond into that faith. And he's talking about how then we respond and through our repentance, the Bible talks about repentance, and then it talks about baptism. Okay. Repent and be baptized, that's what it says. Okay. So we respond in obedience to that which we've heard, which is the gospel truth. And that response then, we, 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 we give ourselves into the Word. And, and, and Peter talks about what then the Word does for us. What is the Word doing as we respond to it? What happens to us as a people? Well, first of all, he says that we are purified. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. There's something about the, the, the Word of God purifying us coming upon us and, and cleansing us. In, and this is a glorious truth, you know, a glorious truth, you know, that, that through the word of God, we are cleansed. We are washed. We are declared holy. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. You see, the, the, there's, there's something in this that is, is so precious for us that, that we, when we are obedient to the gospel, then the word purifies us. And there's something I, I want to say that, that I, don't, I want us in obedience to know that even our obedience comes from God. When we say that we are saved by grace, we, we mean we're saved by grace. Okay. There's nothing in us that, that can, can respond to God unless he, by his grace, because he's elected us and chosen us, by his grace has stirred something by his spirit in us that we may come back to life in him. So, but all the glory is his. Okay? Well, I have decided to follow Jesus. Yes, you have decided, but it's only because the spirit has stirred something in you to respond to that. You see? It's by grace. But when we do that, we are declared holy, cleansed, accepted, adopted into the family, and, and, and it's, it's because of our obedience to the Word. When we go and we looked at verse, uh, chapter um, 1, verse 2, it says, um, according to the foreknowledge of God, we've been chosen to the foreknowledge of God, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with his blood. Obedience and sprinkling. Sprinkling is purification. Obedience and purification go hand in hand. <clears throat> and it's, it's interesting that, that Peter talks about the word purifying us, not baptism. Okay? Our 
baptism is really important. We're going to have baptisms later. You know, it's, it's being obedient to what God has said. We repent and we are baptized. But Peter is saying here that, that it's the word that purifies us. If we go to Ephesians, as this is a well-known passage and talking about husbands and wives... But in Ephesians chapter 5, he says this, um, verse 25, Husband loves your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. You see, it's the word that sanctifies us, the word that cleanses us, it's the word coming into our life that changes us and purifies us. And Jesus is doing that for us as a church, and husbands, we should be doing that for our wives. So baptism is a great symbol of our salvation. No doubt about that, but it's the word that purifies us. Okay? It's the word that changes us through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So the word purifies us. Um, just to go through this passage um, bit by bit, the word also and brings new life. It says in verse 23, since you have been born again. You know, it is the word of God through the spirit of God that brings new life. You know, right back to Genesis chapter 1, we see when God spoke, life was created. There's power in, in the word of God to bring new life. Yes, the Holy Spirit breathes on that and applies it into our lives, but it's the Word of God. Now, Philippians 2, verse 16, tells us to hold fast to the Word of life. Now, if you want real life, we, we've got to receive the Word of God. We've got to be eating uh, this Word. We've got to be being fed by it day by day. So the Word brings new life. And it goes on, this passage, to say, that the, the word endures. It says the living and abiding word. And then this quote uh, that we see here uh, says that the word of the Lord remains forever. And he's, uh, Peter's quoting from Isaiah 40 there. And, uh, and so we see that the, the, the word of God is still here today as it was right at the beginning. One, one of the biggest objections you will find, I don't know if you, when you share your faith, when you're talking to people about faith, one of the biggest objections you'll find is about the Bible. Oh, you can't trust the Bible. It's been changed so many times. It's not genuine. You can't, you can't read it today like it was there. And, and for those at Alpha, we've got some Alpha people here. When we do Alpha, it deals with this question. It says, we can totally trust the Word of God today. It is the most reliable document that has been tested, researched, studied, and we've got manuscripts, early manuscripts, not just one or two, but thousands of them, which correspond to the word that we read today. Yes, we have different translations. We, we need to understand that. But we can trust the word of God. The word of God. I mean, Jesus himself in Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So the word of God is an enduring word and will endure for all time. And we can trust this word. Now we, we as a church want to be word-based. Okay? We, we don't want to be going with culture and, and the latest trends. You know, we don't want to be the latest fads uh, just to fill up the chairs. You know? No, we, we are going to be word-based church because we believe in the word of God. It is the word of God. It is a living word and it is an enduring word. And it is this word that brings new life. It is the gospel message that brings new life. And, and that's uh, the last point on the word of God here that, that Peter makes. And he says in verse 25, And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is what we're talking about, the gospel. The gospel is good news. Nathan believes it. 
The gospel is good news. And, and, and we need to be proclaiming and preaching the gospel wherever we go. Because it's good news. And let me say, I mean, I had the, the, I'm really enjoying Alpha. Um, I haven't done Alpha for a long while. And I'm really enjoying being back into that environment. Uh, and last week, I got to share the gospel uh, with, with some of the guys there. Um, and I, walking home, I thought, wow, I just love the gospel. You know, because when you share the gospel, it stirs you. It stirs you back to those truths. And we can never, and you say, well, I've heard the gospel, David. I'll go over that again. No, we can never hear the gospel enough times. We need to keep hearing what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. We need to keep us on repeat, really, day after day, week after week. This is the good news. And in fact, I would, I would even say that this good news is for every single part of our life. The gospel of Jesus will affect and will transform and purify our own lives, but it will affect our marriages. It will affect our relationships. The gospel will affect our finances. The gospel will affect where we work, who we work for. The gospel will affect where we live. The gospel will affect every single part of our life because the good news of Jesus transforms all of that for his glory. This is the enduring living word of God. And Peter is saying here that we, when we came to obedience to it, have been sanctified through it. Romans 10 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You know, Peter says here, and this is the word, this word is good news, that was preached to you. Now, I'm preaching at the moment. I'm not talking about we all have to stand in front of people with a microphone and, and preach in this way. But the, word, the word preach comes in lots of different forms in, in, in the Bible. And there's something about proclaiming the word, speaking the word, you know, telling people about Jesus. That's the responsibility of the church. And so we start off with this wonderful vision of, of the Word of God and how the Word transforms us. And, and I, I just want to say, if there's somebody here that's not been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus came, he lived amongst us, he lived a perfect, sinless life. The fact that he died to take upon himself all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt. The fact that three days later he rose again and he defeated even death itself. And then he ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the good news and now he intercedes there on our behalf and he sent the Holy Spirit to us so that we might be filled with his presence. This is good news. If you've never taken that step of faith, I just pray that the Lord will stir your heart. In fact, the very reason you're here this morning is that the Lord can stir your heart. To a response to that, say, yes, I believe. I want to follow Jesus. There is a response. There is an obedience. If you want your life to change, if you want to know uh, the, the, the purification, you want to know the new life, you want to know these this living words, you need to be following Jesus. And when you do, he changes everything. He changes everything. And so Peter's talking about having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for, okay, you see that now? Having purified your souls, your obedience to the truth for, that when we are saved, we're saved for. Okay, we're saved for the glory of Jesus. We're saved for worship. We're saved for fellowship. We're saved for mission. We're saved so that we actually get involved in what Jesus is doing. We're not just saved and we, we sit here until it's our time to go home to heaven. Okay, that's not what we're, we're saved for. We're, we're saved for Jesus. And here, 
Peter is talking about the fact that we are saved for sincere and earnest love. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another out of uh, another earnestly from a pure heart. So this whole thing changes everything. When we come to Jesus, we are saved for this sincere brotherly love. And that's the fellowship that we enjoy. Okay? Do you know, when you come to Jesus, you're bound to him. When we baptise people later, we will be baptising them into the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We're joined with, we're joining with his death and his resurrection. We're joining with the, 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 the new life that he's given. We are bound to Jesus when we come to faith. You know, we become one. We become his, he becomes us, he lives in us. We are then representatives of Jesus. We, we are bound to Jesus. I want to say uh, that, uh, that when we are bound to Jesus, we're also bound to his people. The two go hand in hand. You know, I've heard it say, I love Jesus, but the church, well, I'm not so sure about her. I don't think you can separate the two. If you love Jesus, you must love the church. Because the two are hand in hand. When Paul, Saul at the time, was persecuting Christians, when he was persecuting the church, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and Jesus said to him, Why do you persecute me? Now, he's actually persecuting the church. But Jesus identifies himself with the church as one. And then, of course, we, we know that we are the body of Christ. You know, he is the head, but we're the body of Christ. We, we, we are so bound to Jesus that there, there should be this, this really uh, no difference between the two. Of course, he is, because we're not perfect like Jesus. We're still going on that journey of sanctification. But, but you see what I'm saying? You, you can't decide that I'm going to love Jesus, but I'm not going to bother with church. It doesn't... doesn't Add up. The two go hand in hand. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're loving Jesus, you will love his church because the church is Jesus. And this love is grounded in our conversion. We're having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. That's our conversion. It's grounded in our receiving the love of God so that then we can love one another. We cannot separate one from the other. Living as the new people of God, since Christians have been given new life by the word of God, we are to love one another fervently. And so it's grounded in God. Now, we, we struggle to love one another sometimes, don't we? You know, if you look around, a stranger mix of people you may never have seen in any one place. And we're all different. Different cultures, Different languages even. I know Chadwell, um, they, they've put in their, their sermon PowerPoints up in three different languages now so that they, the people in the congregation can, can read it in, in their own language. You know, different cultures, different ages. This, this, is, this is the family of God. The only reason that we're together is because we love him and he has brought us together. You see, when we are saved, we are not only received by God, but we are adopted into his family. We become brothers and sisters. There is a, one of the, 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 the things in the Bible is the, the family language that we see about the church. We are family. We belong to one another. And so, so our love for one another, it, it, it comes from the love of God. It comes from our conversion. It's grounded in God. And, and we can look at who God is. And then to say, if God is like that, then we should be like this. Okay. When, when we had a, a, a breakfast with the husband, we had a husband's morning. Uh, the wives had a morning, uh, and so we thought, we better do one as well. Um, so we went for a breakfast together. And, and what we did was, we looked at Ephesians 5, where it says, uh, husbands, love your wives just as, as, as Christ had loved the church. And so we did an exercise, say, well, how has Christ loved the church? And we wrote down all the things that Jesus did for the church and that he's doing for the church. And there's a great big long list of what, how Jesus loved 
the church. And then we said, okay, if that's what Jesus has done, therefore as husbands we need to do the same for our wives. And then it became a bit more challenging, of course. But in the same way, if, if the love for one another is to be expressed, it's got to come from somewhere. We've got to see who God is. We've got to receive all that he is so that we can then express that to one another. And I think we should be saying, if God is like this, then we should strive to be like this as well. Number one, if God is love, we should be love. If God is patient, we should be patient. If God is gracious, we should be full of grace. If, if, if God is gentle, then we need to be gentle. You see, our love for one another flows from who he is, not from who we are. Because it was up to us, that, that, that wouldn't work very well, I don't think. And so we're grounded in God, and the love flows from that. Peter's already talked about, and when he's talking about the word of God, that God's word is eternal and capable of bringing forth new life. Then through it, let us express love. That's what he's saying. Peter wants these elect exiles to be a people known for living lives that demonstrate the love of God. A sincere and earnest love for each other. Jesus himself, John 13, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So we, we're seeing what Jesus has done. This is how he's loved us. And then how can we do the same? Just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. Wouldn't it be great if on the train tomorrow, C2C train, whoever's going up to London, and you're, you're sitting there and says, oh, you're from that church on Chafford 100, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the church that loved one another. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because that's what Jesus said we should be known for. Not that you, oh, you're the one that has the, the great PowerPoint. You're the one that's got the good app. You're the one that uh, does this. Or that. No, no. All those things are, are great and wonderful. But, but actually, we should be known for the way that we love one another. A sincere, earnest, beautiful, pure love for one another. I think, let me just read this to you. I didn't put this in my notes, but let's, um, let's go there anyway. This, this reading is usually, 1 Corinthians 13, is usually read at weddings. I mean, it's beautiful to be read at weddings. I've got nothing against that. I think it's lovely. But don't forget, this was written to the church, not to a couple, not to a husband and wife. This, this is actually Paul writing to the church, us if you like. And he says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow. That's some sort of love, isn't it? There's some sort of love. I think we should be coming back to these passages more and more just to help us to love one another. And of course, Carrying on through this, love is not hypocritical. It's just, just not an emotional thing. Love actually, and the word of God and love, then changes us. Okay? We, we become renewed. Okay? We're renewed in our holy lives. And things change. And chapter 2, uh, he says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. These things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, they tear down, they divide, they bring things into relationships that will only end up in division. Okay? These things in marriages will end up in divorce. These things in the church will end up in people leaving or church split. These are not good things. And, and, and what we, we need to understand is we need to put off 
our old self. Okay, we need to put it away. We're done with that. We, we have this renewing of our minds, a renewing of the way that we act. We are now a holy people. See what um, Topway preached last week. We are holy people and we live in a different way. We don't live as the world lives. And, and if you notice in, in 1 Peter, we've been going through this, it's worth looking at this again. If we look at, at, at 1 Peter, the, um, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a new living hope. You see, so we, we have been saved. Okay, Jesus has saved us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are saved. You are declared holy. You are living a new life. If we carry on, listen to this, verse 5. For a salvation ready to be revealed at the last day. There's something that's still to come in our salvation. You know, when Jesus comes again, we will be fully saved. Look at this, verse 9. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So there's something there that says, actually, we're still working on our salvation. You see that? In the same passage, Peter is saying, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Okay? We, we have been saved because it, Jesus has done it all on the cross. By his grace, we've been renewed, purified, declared holy. We are being saved as the word cleanses us day by day. The spirit works in our life to purify us. It's called sanctification in the Bible. We go from glory to glory and we change day by day. And then one day when Jesus returns, we will be gloriously saved because everything will disappear and we will be with him perfectly forever. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. This is the glorious truth of the word of God. And so as we go through life, we are being saved. We are working out our salvation. And so therefore we have to put away the things that are not of God. Malice, envy, the hypocrisy, slander, deceit, all of those, they're not of God. And as we put them away, we put on a new self. We put on a new life. We, we, we start to live differently. And I suppose here's a, another passage that you know so well if we were to look at Galatians. Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. That's what we put on. You know, we take off the old and we put on the new. And the new doesn't pull down, it doesn't divide, it encourages. It builds up. It builds up the body. It builds one another up. Do you, when you go and speak to one of your brothers and sisters, do you feel built, built up? Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel, wow, that was a good time? Or do you feel, oh dear me, that was hard work. We're called to build one another up. And then the final piece that we're looking at today, uh, we finished where we finished, and it says, uh, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You see, there's something about our journey in this life where we grow up. You know, I meet lots of Christians, uh, mostly from other, other churches, other denominations, Okay, and I'm amazed that they've never grown up. I spoke at once, I was with a whole, not even part of relational mission or anything like that, it's completely different. And I, and I said, right, turn to this one. And I said, right, now we're going to go to this passage. And they said, no, slow down, slow down, we don't know where you are to hate They didn't know how to even open their Bibles properly and get to a passage on this one. You know, this is why I, I love, and I know I, I, I do say this a lot, it's why I love to get the Word of God in your hands rather than on your phone, because you can really get to grips with it. But if we don't grow up in the Word, we're not going to grow up. You know, Peter says that we should grow up using spiritual milk. The word there is, is linked to, to, to the word logos. So it, we, we, the commentators believe he's talking about the Word there, okay? We talk about spiritual milk, he's talking about the Word. We need to grow up in the Word. And it's got to be... Something that we feed on. So the reason we're doing the Glowing in God 
studies is that we can grow up in the Word. Last year we went through Genesis and we went a deep dive into Genesis. This year we're going a deep dive into Revelation. I've been working really hard just to get going on this. There's a lot there, okay? And, uh, but it's going to be good for us to get into the Word. The doctrines, the growing in God doctrines, that's great teaching, foundational doctrines. What do we believe? You may, oh, I'm, I'm past that. No, it's always good to be reminded of our, our founding doctrines. Okay? This is what it means to grow up in the Word. Now, we're, not, we're not babies anymore. And, and, and I thank God for that, actually. When I, when I speak to some of the life groups and see some of the life groups, I say, well, your, your life group's full of mature Christians. Every one of those in your group could lead that life group, which is lovely. We're full of maturity. We're full of, of growing up together. And then, of course, we need to be teaching others and training others to grow up as well. That's what discipleship is all about. But can I encourage us, please, that when we're looking at this, that we're looking at the pure gospel. Let's keep word-based, okay? It is the word of God. Books, commentaries, YouTubes are helpful, but make sure that we stick to the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be whole gospel people, pure gospel people, not picking out the bits that we don't like and getting rid of this bit. We want to be whole gospel, full gospel people in the Word of God. Okay, make sure it's the pure gospel and make sure it's the full gospel. So that's the passage that we've studied today. Now, let's look at some application. Okay, let's look at some application. So, I'll get some feedback here rather than me tell you what to do. Right, first thing we've looked at, the Word of God, obedience to the truth, the Word of God. How, what's the application then? Just have a think, what is the application now for us as church in the Word of God? What do we do then to grow up, to, to study, to, to, what is it that we do? Feedback, anyone, shout it out. Study the Word, yeah, great. Anyone else? Meditate on the word. Yeah, great. Fellowship, one another. You know, the best way to do theology is in a group. Because you learn. From, in fact, if you're not in a group, there's a danger you might go off at a tangent. Okay, so it's good to be together. Thank you. Love one another. Love one another. Yes, thank you. Share the gospel. It's a great way to get in the word. You're knocking on the door. And, and you share the gospel, they're going to start to talk to you about the Word of God. You've got to know it. Okay? You've got to know it. It's a great way to grow up in the Word. Get out on the streets. Share the gospel. Anyone else? Oh, sorry? Do what it says. Be obedient. Yes. I tell you, you know, obedience is, is absolutely... If you're going to grow up in the Word, you've got to obey the Word. There's a lot of... The, I, I say to people, you know, oh, we need more preaching. And I... Christians that have been a long while, they've got notebooks and notebooks and notebooks and notebooks are full up of preaching notes. Yeah? And I, I love making preaching notes. I, I sit there and type. Lita was the other way, top I was preaching. I was sitting there typing away, making all my notes. Said, what, what do you want them for? I said, well, I want to go back to them because I've got to do life group notes. I want to go and preach next week. I need, I need them. But often, other notes that I've got in books, they just sit there and never to be opened again. You know? So we can have a, a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of obedience. Fat sheep, I would say. Fat sheep that need to get out there and get some exercise. We need to put it into practice. Okay. So, so obedience is key. Yeah. So that's that's good application. The word of God. So things that I've written down here. Some of the things: read, meditate, study, feed yourself on the word of God. Oh, be obedient to it. And I think the good one is to do it also in groups as well. It's really helpful to do it in groups. Life group is key for this. Learning the Word of God together. Absolutely key. So that was the first one. What about application for loving one another? What can we do to demonstrate that love to one another? What do you think? Forgiveness. Absolutely key. Thank you. You know, Christians that hold grudges are not good Christians. I, and then this is in a previous church. I've only been in two churches, so that's, that doesn't hurt. But anyway, this is the previous church. I met a lady, she's no longer alive, and she was curled up with arthritis and things like that. 
she was really in pain and struggling. And she asked for prayer one day. So I went to pray with her. And I said, how can I pray? She said, I, I want to forgive this person who did this to me. So when would this happen? She said, 40 years ago. Okay. Unforgiveness is not good for you. <laughs> let alone everyone else. So if we're going to love one another, we need to forgive. We need to forgive, brothers and sisters. We need to forgive. You know, we, we, I said that the church is Jesus, but we're not the perfect church yet. That will come when Jesus returns. And so let me say, prepare to be upset. Okay? Prepare to someone to say something you didn't like, didn't understand, to, 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 to say you don't agree with, be prepared for that because the body of Christ. Okay. There's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect church. If there is, don't join it. But with loving one another, forgiveness, grace, and all that, we can actually be a beautiful church. The church is not perfect, but it's beautiful. So, anything else? How else? Pray for one another. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Anything else? Encouragement, yeah. Good. Fellowship, yeah. Giving. Thank you. Ge generosity. Yeah. Let's put generosity there. You know, if you've got a brother and sister in need then actually the Bible said there should be nobody in need in the church because we're generous. That's a good way of showing love. Serving one another. Yes. Wonderful. You know, I always, I've got a quite a big family. We've got four boys, four, five, five boys, four brothers, and we all get together. There's maybe 30 of us together uh, when we get together. You know, and you look around, everybody near enough in the family is serving somehow. They're, they're washing up, they're getting this, they're doing that, because we're part of the family. You know, if, if, I was just, if I was just to turn up and just sit there and expect to be served, that's not really being part of the family, is it? So we serve one another. Let me just put something up here. Um, loving one another, Galatians 5, you, you know, get this, let's get a change out. I, I've put up here one of the biggest ones, I think, for loving one another is getting to know one another. You know, there was a lot of misconception about people, especially of other cultures and other, other, other nationalities. Hospitality is key for us. You know, we love, we were invited to, a few weeks ago to a lovely brother and sister uh, in the church, and we just hang out with them all afternoon. Lovely food, lovely fellowship. You know, it was just great. Last night we was out for a lovely meal with brothers and sisters in the church. We, we love just being with people in the church. Because it's good for us. And so here's the thing. Who, who are you offering hospitality to in the church? And for, for here at, at, um, at Chapel, our fourth Sunday uh, is Life Group Sunday. Now we, we've, we've stopped for the moment meeting in Life Groups during the uh, 10.30. We're going to meet together. But what we want to encourage you to do is after we've gathered together is then to do something as a life group. Have food together. When the, when the summer comes, go out for a picnic together. Go to the beach together. Whatever it is. But you're, 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 you're ha there's hospitality, there's friendship, there's, there's real care, and there's real love. You know, it, uh, in Romans 15, this is one of my favorite bits that Paul says. Paul says in Romans 15, he's talking to the church in Rome, I hope to see you as I pass through, as he's on his way to say, to be helped for you, after I've enjoyed your company for a while. You see that? This is not about, you know, you're going to help me on the mission, yes, but actually that's not why I just want to be with you guys for a while. Isn't that beautiful? And we belong to a family of churches called Relational Mission, you know, where we want to be relational in all that we do. It's not just about the mission. The mission is, is really important, but actually we can have fun on the journey. We can have laughter on the journey. We can have friendship on the journey. So hospitality, I think, is key for us in loving mothers. And then, finally, living holy lives. How can we... Uh, no, it's not finally, it's two more. Living holy lives. What can we do to help us to live holiness in our lives? So we're separated from the world. What do you think? 
Oh, not so much on this one then. Let me put it up. Okay. There's something about trusting other brothers and sisters so that you can confess your sins and repent. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not Anglican by any, any stretch of the imagination, but I do like the fact that they confess their sins and they have a, a liturgy that brings them to repentance. In the, in the freedom of what we do here, sometimes we don't have that. You know, we, we, we need to confess our sins. There's something about accountability. You know, when I'm discipling people, I say, right, now I'm going to see you in, in, in whoever, three weeks' time, and I'm going to ask you, how did you get on in that area of your life that we've been talking about? Because I want you to be accountable to me, and I'm accountable to you. There's something about accountability. In our life groups, we need to be accountable to each other on how we live. And don't, don't be frightened to ask that question. How did you get on? So someone's got a problem with alcohol. How did you get on with your drinking this week? Someone's got a problem with pornography. Have you, had, have you been pure that what you've been watching on the, on the internet this week? You know, someone who's struggling in this area, have you, you know, ask the question. Now, I'm not saying just go around the church and ask these questions willy-nilly, but, but when you've got a, a, someone that you can trust, someone that you're accountable to, then, then, then make sure that you hold each other accountable before God. There's something about accountability, and there's something about transparency as well. You know, we, we, we put on masks, don't we, sometimes? There's something about being transparent in who we are and everything that we do. And then growing into maturity. Let me just talk this one through um, with you. Um, life groups are absolutely key in this. If you're not in a life group, then you must be in a life group. Get into a life group. You know, if, 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 if you... Oh, actually, I can only meet on... on I know, whatever day it is, Thursday night at midnight, um, uh, whatever it is, or six o'clock in the morning. We'll find other people who can only meet at that time and we'll form a group, okay? Oh, I, I'm, I'm in London every day. Well, let's have one lunchtime group in London. You know, it's key that we meet together. You know, this gathering is not just who we are. This is lovely, but actually we need to do life together. And you will grow up if you are doing life with other Christians. So life groups are key. Um, the growing in God, I've already mentioned that. Um, and, and, and then the Ephesian four ministries. One of the, the Ephesian four ministries with apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. The purpose of them is so that we can all grow up in Christ. Okay, so we need to get ourselves around those ministries. We need to receive those ministries. We need to tap into those ministries and we need to grow up in those ministries because that will help us all grow up. So there's some very practical things there that we can do to apply these, this passage that we've studied today. You know, we need to, to meditate, read on the Word of God. It needs to feed us. It will purify us. It will change us. It is a living Word, the abiding Word. We need to be loving one another, you know, encouraging one another, blessing one another, being generous to one another, and, and receiving one another in our homes. Hospitality, absolutely key. For that, we need to be living holy lives. What it separates us from the rest of the world is the way that we live. It's the way that we live. Do not comply to the, to the things of this world. And then, how do we keep growing? You know, Christian life is a lifelong learning process. We will never stop, we should never stop growing. Because I believe once we stop growing, we will start to decline in our faith. Keep pursuing God. Keep pursuing His Word. Keep the Holy Spirit being filling you up day by day. Is that okay, everybody? If I conveyed something there that was, was helpful, um, we studied, we, we, we continue working through this. And I just want to come back to the fact that actually none of us are perfect. And so we need His help. We need His help. To do this, we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for us now. The, the, the final little bit that uh, Peter said on this is, indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. <laughs> you know, once you've tasted that the Lord is good, then there's no turning back. There's no turning back. And so I want us now to just to come and receive and taste again the goodness of God. To know that, that he is with us, he's helping us. And so I'm going to invite us to stand, please, if you wouldn't mind. Just to stand, and we're going to pray together. And I want us to, I wonder if the worship band could come back as well.
just to come and to receive. Come and drink. Come and taste. Come and taste the goodness of God. Let his Holy Spirit minister to you just now. Just to close your eyes and, and just, uh, just come before him. Receive from him now. If we're going to love one another, we need to be filled with his love. We need to be filled with his spirit. If we're going to be growing in the word, we need his spirit to teach us these truths. If we're going to taste and see the goodness of God. We need to know. We need to know his presence, his power. His love. So just receive, just wherever you are, just receive now. Just come to God. He knows you. He knows your heart. It might be before you can receive, you need to repent. Actually, you've not led a holy life this week. Things that you need to repent of and confess. Let's just do that now. Just come to him. Just where you are, just receive. That whatever everyone else is doing, this is between you and God. As we sing, continue to receive. If you want to join in with the worship and, 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 and read the words, if you don't want to keep your eyes closed and receive, then do that. If you want someone to pray with you, then I just invite you to come maybe to the front here so we can pray with you here. Or, or just find someone in your row that you trust that can pray with you. But let's receive from God. Let's allow his Holy Spirit to minister to us now. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed and got a lot out of the service today. Just a reminder, next week we are meeting at our separate sites. That's Chafford 100, Shadow St Mary and Southall Ockingdon. Services start at 10.30, so try and get there a bit beforehand. But this will be available if you can't make it to one of them. We hope you have a great week. Goodbye. <laughs>